0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero, all engine running, liftoff, we have a liftoff. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts Dan and Jason.
1: You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story.
0: Okay, look, this year I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond.
1: Okay, welcome to Winning Warcry. This is our first episode of the Tabletop and Beyond podcast segment uh, that is focusing on Warcry. And I am joined by my co-host Jason and Dan Herrera. Dan, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Excited to uh, get into the start of a pretty cool journey
0: with you guys. Yeah, man. Should be good.
1: Yeah, we're really excited. You know, one of the things uh, we talked about early on in the year, we put out a kind of big change that's coming in 2022. And um, we we had decided that well maybe it was mostly me, Jason, but um, <laughs> I I had decided that we really needed to focus on like War Cry specifically because we love it so much, and I just feel like we don't give it all the attention that we that it needs in our regular podcast.
0: It's true. I mean, you know, whenever we've have whenever we had events at GuildCon, it's always a huge hit. We have lots of people play that never played before, and they always say, "Man, this game is great! I want to play it some more." Next time you play, please let me know. We love it so much. I think you said once, you know, it's one of those games you can you can play in a very short time if that's all you got, and you still get that nice, really fun uh, tabletop war gaming feel uh, out of it. So I love yeah. this game. I'm great. I'm excited to talk more about it.
1: Yeah, and as we were mapping out content for what we wanted to do for the rest of the year, I said, "I don't know how we're going to fit in Warcry, so maybe Warcry needs its own segment." So this is going to be this is the first episode of our monthly podcast series that we're going to be doing together. Uh, We obviously have our Tabletop and Beyond series. We also have our Talking Warhammer series. It's going to be monthly. And then this one is going to be our monthly series as well for Warcry. And uh, as I mentioned, we're joined by Dan Herrera. Dan, we'd love having you here because you are an expert in the field, my friend. Your uh, YouTube channel, The Salty Sea, is a wealth of information. For anyone who has been playing Warcry for a long time or is just new to Warcry, you've got it all. So we love your big brain here.
2: Thanks a bunch. Um, yeah, and I'm looking forward to sort of collaborating more between the channel and the and the website uh, as it up and comes a little bit more. Um,
1: yeah, definitely. You know,
2: especially part of the excitement about starting a pod here is, you know, Warcry, it brings in people who wouldn't have normally been into sort of the big games uh 40k and aos and um almost as a result i think it's it's more popular with people who play it than you would know looking at the content creator community for it right because a lot of the really established wargamer content creators you know they they all have good things to say about warcry but none of them would say that's their jam and they don't make stuff for it. So I'm really excited to have this website going and this podcast going just uh, for more places for people to go if they're into this smaller, more accessible version of the game.
1: Yeah, and as uh, Dan mentioned, right, the website. So this is our tabletopandbeyond.com website. We have a section dedicated for Warcry. We are working on content to get it up there right now. And uh, our goal is to have basically like a one-stop shop for Warcry stuff where you can come, learn about strategies, you know, look look and see what kind of uh, warbands are out there, if that's for you, you know, like where their strengths and weaknesses are. And uh, like I said, Dan, you you are a wealth of knowledge, and we look forward to collaborating with you. I think it's going to be great.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So um, one of the uh, one of the great things is about having a podcast with Warcry, as you kind of mentioned. There's a lot of content creators out there for Age of Sigmar, uh, Warhammer 40k. For example, you've got uh, Rob. Uh, gosh, I forgot his last name. Uh, the Honest War Gamer and uh you know i mean he puts out a show every week multiple shows he's got a 40k show and an age of sigmar show and does lots of stuff and like you said they they have lots of good things to say about warcry but i think they're so invested in those big games and that they're just like ah oh, it's just a skirmish game it's like a necromunda it's like a underworlds and i don't think that uh they've really given the time that warcry deserves uh, in its own kind of setting because it's a great little addition to the Age of Sigmar world and lore. Um, it ties in great with it and it's a it's an op- awesome opportunity to get into the game without having to get into the game. You know, spend $400 more or probably more like a... Actually, we did the math. This is a sort of an aside. We did the math on the um, Stormcast, Stormcast Dragons list. That like has been winning a lot. Oh yeah, and it's like a thousand dollars for that. I
0: Believe it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. So, well, but that's meanwhile, the,
1: that's a World, World Credit box is like you know fifty to a hundred. Right depending. there you go. Not even man.
0: You get. A, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if your buddy you come to a table and your buddy's already got all the terrain and everything, you could you could come to the table with a forty dollar box. You know, it's yeah. just. And that's the thing is anytime I play AOS with folks or, you know, any of the big war, ham- war uh, tabletop war games, they always like, yeah, this was fun. Uh, so what what does it take to get into this? I'm like, oh, you know, about 500 bucks and then, you know, a third of your life, you know. And to, hours you know. and hours of yeah, painting." Yeah. And-, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, uh, yeah, no thanks. But then I say, or, or we can play this Warcry game and it's just 40 bucks and 45 minutes at a time. And they're like, yeah. "That sounds that sounds good. I like that. Yeah. So it's very, very much accessible, as you kind of said, Dan. Uh, Way more accessible, I think, to a small, to a bigger audience.
1: So uh, the goal of this podcast that we want to do, you know, we're calling it Winning Warcry. There's, there's kind of a twofold uh, objective with that. The first is that uh, one of the things that you focus on really well, Dan, is sort of the competitive aspect of Warcry. You talk about points balances. You talk about strengths and weaknesses. You know, you've you were talking about on your show just the other day. Uh, you know, the toughness tax, the leader tax, all those kinds of things, and all of those like really inform players who want to be competitive with that. So we want to bring kind of that same spirit here on this podcast, but we also want to let folks know that like winning War Cry is really just about sitting down and playing with your buddies too, <laughs> because this really is a narrative focused game. So. Like, how can you have fun while playing Warcry? Like, you can go competitive with this, but you can also go fully narrative and have an absolute blast.
2: Yeah, and I think I think we're hoping to sort of get episodes keying in on a whole bunch of different parts of that too. So yeah, um,
0: I think it's it's gonna be cool getting into it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like
0: we could have a whole episode on just the uh, you know the the card aspect and the draw and whether if you're going to be competitive, you know, whether you stick to the randomized uh, scenario or if you select from specific scenarios for a stronger competitive uh, play. But, you know, I don't want to I don't want to steal the mic from Justin right now and say this is what we're going to talk about, but there's so much we could go. Oh, over.
1: there's so much content, so much content. So, today though, what we w- we do want to talk about is getting started in Warcry. Uh, I don't know about you, Dan, but I've noticed in our Facebook group, there is a lot of new players that are coming in saying like, hey, I just started with Warcry. Where should I go? What should I do? And so hopefully this this episode will give some of those folks a little bit more direction on resources that they have and what they need to really get started, like if they really want to get into it. Uh, but before we get there, uh, what's on your guys' hobby table? Dan, why don't we kick it off with you?
2: So I have been basing... Stormcast, um, a whole bunch. Of, so I, I paint pretty slow and I get uh, distracted. That's actually part of what uh, got me so into Warcry was being able to switch paint schemes and uh, factions so quickly. Um, yeah, definitely so I'm still uh, working through my early Dominion box. You know, I uh, oh,
1: okay. took a
2: break for Skaven in between. I took a break for Flesh Eater Quartz in between. So I'm still uh, only just finishing up the Stormcast from that box right now. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if other people get to this, but I get to that point where I'm finished painting and I'm just so proud. And then it's like, oh my God, I completely, I didn't even think about how I'm going to base these. (laughs) I have no plan whatsoever. No, that's never Um, happened to me before, ever. (laughs) So, uh, that's where I'm at. Um, it's not my most, uh, you know, most high concept basing scheme, but, um, I'm excited about the models in general. So, uh, yeah, getting That's getting awesome. into that, finishing them off.
1: So um, I just, you know, to be, to be put all our cards on the table, I just finished the Cruel Boys, like maybe a couple weeks ago. So, and I st- I'm staring at my Stormcast right now, waiting to be painted. So I have not yet finished the Dominion Box either.
2: Cool. Yeah, I am the same, but reverse, right? So I'm just finishing my Stormcast and then my Cruel Boys are just, I did the uh, the sort of cheapy rattle can version of a Zenithol, where I uh, sprayed <laughs> them all brown and then I went over the top with kind of a, um, a very pale green, like a, yeah. kind of a clover green kind of thing over the top of them. So I've got, you know, kind of a light gradient on them, but that's it. And yeah. uh, just kind of thinking about how I'm going to how I'm actually going to paint them eventually. I'm thinking I'll do the same color scheme as my Iron Jaws so that if I ever do Auric War Clans, they're all kind of in the same theme.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Jason, how is your? Uh, what's on your hot... <laughs> I was about to say, how was your geek week? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What's and on what's, your hobby table? What's on my hot
0: table? Uh, no, yeah. So I think uh, I've still got my ogres there, dude. I've got... Um, in terms of Warcry, I got lots of stuff on my hobby table, but in terms of Warcry, I've just, you know, I've been running a campaign with my ogres now for, I don't know, probably a year for how often yeah. we play, but uh, right, I just love them, man. They're so much fun. I mean, before that, you know, when I played AOS, Flesh Eater Courts was my intro army in a, to AOS, and I played them for full ITC circuit, um, and then... Uh, and then I pulled them over into Warcry, and I really enjoyed them. But then I said, "Hey, I want to do these ogres. That they're, they're really, f- they look really fun. I love the the theme behind them." I've got my ogres pretty well painted, I think, for my Warcry band. But I don't know what the deal is. I cannot hold on to nobblers. I swear, I find one, I paint it, I base it, and then I go to play, and it's gone. It just like runs away. I don't, I can't find them. I mean, you've played with me where like yes. I've had stand-in crute from Tau yeah. Crute to be like, "Oh, this is a nobbler today." Because I can't yes. find my novels they just run away. So I gotta, I gotta get some more novels on the table and keep going with those. That's
1: hilarious. By the way, I was talking to our friend Lincoln the other day, and he was telling me about a filthy ogres list in Age of Sigmar.
0: Yeah, he sent it to me. I gotta take a look at it. Oh,
1: it's nasty. <laughs> it's nasty. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's pretty good. Yeah, they've uh, had a few
2: working... people. Oh. They've had oh, a few ahead. people surprise crush tournaments with uh with ogres just over the last month or so. Um,
1: in Age of Sigmar, right? Yeah,
2: which is really funny yeah. cuz you know, 2 months ago you had people complaining like, "Oh man, ogres have really fallen by the wayside. GW, yeah. why won't you uh why won't you save us?" Um <laughs> and now they're just crushing it. It's great.
1: Yeah, this this list he was talking about, I know this is kind of a tangent, has Kragnos in it and like 12 gluttons and uh the the thing is is that Kragnos gives them like 3d6 on their charge yeah it's right and so like you roll the dice and you're like oh i rolled an 11 cuz that's the average of you know three dice and they get to do 11 mortal wounds on <laughs> whatever they run into on that charge
0: yeah. you know it's gross it... It's pretty. It's pretty crazy. I think ogres are one of those like you don't really think about them until you're all of a sudden you're in a tournament and your next game is against ogres. It's like, oh right, ogres. Yeah. And then and then you got to deal with them. And I tell you, the first time I played ogres at the table, uh, I totally underestimated a giant pack of uh, iron gut. And oh, yeah. they just, in one one swing, slaughtered like all of my uh, crypt horrors. And I was like, <laughs> well, that's that game, but that was fun. Uh, they're fun. I just love the lore behind ogres. They're just, you know, stomping around, chomping everything they can get their hands on. It's just fun. Stuff. They're just hungry. And they're, and they're great in war right Yeah, Crime, they're too. just hungry. Yeah, they, oh man, they ha- I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but they had that, uh, the lead belcher is. A, a serious uh, unit to be reckoned with to be reckoned with yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i i don't think it's op man based on points but that's just you know my opinion yeah. it's an expensive unit or yeah. uh yeah. fighter i guess whatever Anyways. Yeah. Best I love the game. Yep.
1: <laughs> uh let's see i am working on the red harvest terrain right now um and i've been working on this one for a little while let me tell you uh they've got like, it's gorgeous terrain. I absolutely love it. It is amazing. Um, but I am like putting brass or like, you know, bronze paint on all like the banded metal that's all over all the, you know, wood platforms and stuff like that. It is one of the most tedious things I have ever done. Like, I didn't think it would be that bad. I'm like, Oh, it's just like banded metal, but like it's raised. And so you kind of have to edge highlight every single one because otherwise it looks really weird. If you don't, you know what I mean? Like, it looks like just the top has been, like, bronze. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of, like, tedious little details as I've been going through it. And so, um, I'm probably about halfway done with it, right? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe, like, 40% done with the terrain. And I'm kind of at the point where, you know, where you're just like, dang it, I just want this – I'm at the point where you start looking at the other models, and you're like, "Hmm, what paint scheme should I be painting those ones?" And you start thinking <laughs> about those ones, as you know, uh, you're you've got like the terrain right in front of you. So I'm kind it's of at that eat, point.
2: It's the eat your vegetables part of the hobby for sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> definitely. So, which is funny because I loved putting it together, and I loved. Uh, I mean, I had an airbrush, and so. Um, I sprayed the whole thing down with some dryad bark, you know, to get that wood down and it looks really good. And like that all took me like, you know, to, to airbrush it. It all took me like an hour and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to make such quick work out of this thing. A few weeks later, I'm still painting these banded metal things. I'm like, Oh my gosh, just kill me now. So yeah, but I'm working on it. I love the terrain. I love that. I'm going to, we're going to be getting and playing with multiple height settings. Um, you know, it's not just going to be three inches off the ground. Like yeah. there's platforms that are six inches off the ground now, and it's going to be great. It's funny. Yeah, you've we... got
2: two, you've got three, you've got
0: four, you've got six. It's got yes, the whole yeah. gamut. Yeah.
1: Yep. It's it's I'm I'm really excited for it.
0: I remember when so. that first box came out, and we both got starter sets so that we could do uh you know multiple games next to each other. And you went you went with one paint scheme, and I went with another paint scheme. So it was cool. So when we were playing. You know, multiple games on the table next to us with friends, it, it had a little bit of a different feel. Yeah. And then, and then I I started realizing that I don't need to bring any terrain to work right night anymore because Justin has every single piece that's ever been made for it, <laughs> 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 and he's painted it all already.
1: So uh, there we go. Yeah, I haven't painted the uh, mausoleum yet. That's the one I need. Oh right, right. I still need yeah. to do that one. It's, I like it's, that It's uh, been too. primed. It's been primed, so it looks like a cool black church right now. But yep. it works. Um, but yeah, the Soul Drain Forest, like I painted those trees, that they, they look pretty fun on the table. So. They do
0: look, they're a lot of fun to play with those trees.
1: Yeah, so anyway. Alright, well, uh, listen, we can't uh, really get into our main topic about getting started yet without talking about the new um, stuff that's happening in Warcry. So, namely, there's uh, three new boxes, or not three new boxes, there's four new boxes, five new boxes. Five new boxes, right? Did I get that right?
2: More than you can shake a stick at.
0: Yeah. Yes,
1: uh, there's new boxes out for Warcry, which um, these are these are awesome deals. Even if you're an Age of Sigmar player, you can usually pick up these boxes and uh, definitely augment your army. I know that it was it it was really hard for me to find the Sylvaneth box because uh, it was cheaper to buy that box that had three Kernoth hunters and ten dryads in it. Than it was just to buy the three Kurnoth hunters box,
0: right? So mm. Age of
1: Sigmar players were getting basically ten dryads <laughs> for free by buying that Warcry box, and so you could not find it anywhere. Yeah, I remember um, we had a
0: buddy that uh, played with us a few times. He's like, "I want to play, I want to play Warcry. Like, go buy Warband, man. It'll be yours." And he's like, "Okay, I'm looking for Sylvaneth." We're like, "Ooh, ooh
1: <laughs> yeah. sorry, oh, buddy." buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Maybe Corvus Cabal? We're like, "Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, the go one. that one, go that go one, go that one." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, but these new boxes that are coming out, uh, there's some really good ones. The first one is the Cruel Boys. So basically, it's kind of like the uh, Dominion half of the, like the Cruel Boys half of the Dominion box, minus a couple of models. Like you don't get the um, Killaboss on the Nash Tooth, um, and I think that uh, you don't get the Killaboss either. Um, but you know, it looks it's a... like
2: it's the multi part kit though. So you right. can uh, you can choose with your gut rippers whether you want spears or mm. um, there are like meat cleaver things, which I think is pretty cool. Yes. Um, so you get a little bit more option. And you know, if you did get Dominion, you can get this, and it won't overlap at all. And you know, if you're missing the the meat cleaver guys, you can get those.
1: Yeah. So and it's a it's a pretty good deal too. I think. I saw someone did like a cost comparison. If you were to pick up all those models, like it's got three bolt boys. And to be honest with you, like it's not much more expensive than if you were to pick up a box of bolt boys by themselves. So um, you're saving yourself a little bit of money if you want a couple of gut rippers and some bolt boys and things like that. So that's pretty good. Uh, same thing with the Stormcast Thunderstrike. thunder strike. So that's like the Stormcast half of the dominion box uh and again it's you know missing a couple of models here or there uh from the dominion box but uh there's a lot of value in there as well so if you're if you like what you see with the stormcast thunder strike um what do you think about that box though dan do you think it's a good box like to start out as a warband
2: so um the ones with the giant hammers so in the dominion box you can only get them with the shields yeah. and i think they're better without the shields so that okay. actually makes this box kind of nice um I am more into. So you've got the the vindictors, and is it now? I'm blanking on what the uh, sword thunderstrike guys are. Um, so if you have any swords, kind of just hanging around, because you know if you play stormcast, yeah. almost everything that has a hammer has an alternate sword build. Maybe consider kind of just gluing those swords on there for a couple of them. And then you have the variety without needing yeah. to sort of get a whole new bunch of swords. Um, and if you do that, then you have just like all the options. It's amazing. Um, so as far as, you know, if you're willing to do just a tiny bit of converting, I think it's a great, I think it's a great Warcry buy.
1: And I don't think it's going to take a lot to convert it either. Do you know what I mean? Like if you want to put a sword on there instead of, uh, instead of the spears or whatever, um, or that is it the hammers with those guys? But uh, anyway, I don't think it's going to take a lot of converting. So, uh, yeah. And let's see, the next one that we have is the Slaanesh mortals. Of, what are they called? The Sybilrites of Slaanesh, is that right?
2: sybarites yeah.
1: Sybarites, yeah.
2: And this makes the... Um, the uh, Ooh, man, all of their names are rough, but the ones with um, the demonic heads... Are really sweet in Warcry. They come with like a variety of weapons. One's got a whip. One's got a cleaver, uh-huh. um, and they're some of the better things in that in that force, which is good. But um, you know, I was see, watching on Warhammer Weekly uh, because the AOS rules on um, on the new slanesh stuff are so rough it's like fire sale like every every value <laughs> box they can do they're putting they're putting slanesh in there because yeah. you know they made all these incredible beautiful models and uh you know it's a funny thing uh, very few people are interested in competitive play and yet rules still sell models quite a bit right um but you know they're uh, they're playable in warcry and and i think you know if you like them it's a sweet box
1: so I did I did a thing. Um Jason knows I do things sometimes. I did a thing on Saturday. I I obviously pre ordered the new uh Tome of Champions, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But I or I also ordered the Slanesh box and the Daughters of Cain box because those are two war bands that I did not have currently and um so I may have used some money that I probably should have put into a bank account somewhere, but uh, that's okay. We don't talk about that, right?
2: (laughs) Well, let's jump right to that Daughters of Cain box, because I think that's the real gem out of all these. Um, Absolutely. The Lumineth one's good, too. I want to talk about that one, too. But the Daughters of Cain box, it's got all the stuff that's really good in Daughters of Cain, which is great, right? Because you can flip from... Witch elves to Sisters of Slaughter, and then Witch elves have two different builds you can do in Warcry, and Sisters of Slaughter have two different builds you can do in Warcry, yep. and then the snakes you can have a uh, shooty or stabby, um, and the uh, stabby snake leader is really good in Warcry. So um, that box, as far as just Sort of infinite customization is just incredible, and it's so hard to get Daughters of Cain for cheap because which Elves are sixty bucks for a box of oh, yeah. tiny battle line unit. Um, and well, it's funny, I was like,
1: just going to say that like this is the biggest value in my opinion because you've gone from like having to spend like one hundred and fifty dollars to start a warband with Daughters of Cain to like eighty dollars. You know, yeah. I think it's yeah, uh, eighty dollars exactly. retail. Yep. So. Yeah, like it's that that is a great box. So I'm excited about that one too. Um I I love that you, you know, cuz like you can build the witch elves or sisters of slaughter, right? It's like a a kind of optional multi-part uh kit and they both have different builds as well so i love that you can have the variety and i usually do that with my warbands like i'll get a like for example i've got a box of um bone splitters that i need to put together but man one box can give you like almost like half the half the units in the in the warband you know because uh, you can do uh arrow boys you can do uh savage uh, boys, you can do more boys. You can, you know, I mean, it's got like so many different builds that you can do with just that one box. So, um, I love boxes like that, and I think Daughters of Canaan's like that too. And let's see. That brings us to our last box, Lumineth. What, do you, what are your thoughts on Lumineth, Dan?
2: My hope for this box, uh, because it's great for Warcry, but the cool thing about it is you don't get a full AOS unit out of the box you'd have to buy two to get a full aos unit right so the horror is that makes all the aos players buy two of them and they disappears right away but the hope (laughs) is that uh the aos players kind of ease off of it a little bit and um you know because that's also three different units too so maybe you wouldn't get it unless you were gonna field at least two of them um so hopefully it'll be around for a little longer because um, lumineth is another one of those where it's just so hard to start lumineth for cheap uh, yeah. when i was doing sort of uh starter lists for every warband last year and doing budget lists for every warband. I actually just uh-huh. skipped Lumineth and did a meme of an elf laughing at you because <laughs> it was literally impossible to build a Lumineth warband for less than $120. It was absurd. That's hilarious. Um, so yeah, now you can you can do it, uh which is huge.
1: Yeah. Um my I don't know why but the luminous like it's the cow horns that drive me crazy i don't know what it is <laughs> yeah i uh I've, yep like there's some luminous units out there that are like those are amazing looking units and then i see the cow horn guys and i'm like and these are not the ones that i like but that's okay um i'll probably still get one of those boxes eventually because i have like committed at this point to collecting warbands so you know they'll, they'll be on the list eventually
0: It's funny because there's a guy we used to play with in in one of our local stores who just loves anything headgear. It's like the biggest plume you could get. He's like, "Yes, the cow horns. And he's like, I'm so excited for them. And I'm like, okay, man. Yeah, he was into hats. I will save those on the shelf for you.
1: Exactly, exactly. So yeah, those came out pre-order the Saturday. If you are interested in getting some of these boxes, I would check your local friendly local gaming store. I'm sure that they're going to be carrying some of these that you can that you can find. If not, uh, you can order them. I'm I I hope that they have made plenty of these that people who were looking to get in and said, oh my gosh, like I I really wanted Daughter's of Cain, or I really wanted to get a of Boys without having to buy Dominion. And now they can do it, right? Like, that'll be that'll be really good. So, looking forward to it. Well, let's move on to talk about the Tome of Champions. This was big, 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 big news last week. Um, and kind of, there's rumors of it before last week. But uh, last week when they announced it and uh, sort of gave us a preview of what was going on, uh, I think the whole community got very excited about this. In my opinion, and I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Dan and Jason, about this. I think that this this Tome of Champions might be the best one that they have produced yet.
2: I think so. I think it shows that they... I feel like they know what the game is or what they want it to be in a way that um, they they weren't 100% there in other Tomes of Champions, you know, in right. terms of
1: especially their, like the their
2: vision for what's going... Yeah, especially the first one. Um, <laughs> yeah, the last one was good. It was, uh, the last one was, I think, when they brought in Soroth Core Campaign, which yeah, was a little was a, bit of a more cool. complex campaign system, which a lot of people liked. Um, I'm actually signed up to do my first narrative event, other than just, like, with buddies, um, in late March, so, uh... Is this is yeah, so Adepticon, getting... isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, uh, but...
1: so cool.
2: Yeah, but... But they have a really good mix, I think, of updating sort of the narrative side, the competitive side, and the casual but not narrative side, kind of all three in the same tome, which, you know, is great.
1: It's hard to do too, right? Um, because that's three different different groups of people um, that you're trying to please there. right? I would say the bulk of the Warcry fandom out there – just based on my super unscientific and, uh, you know, unrigorous uh, polling data, uh, the bulk of people out there are narrative players, right? They love to play like the little campaigns with their friends and kind of do that. Um, there's the casual gamers. I think that there's a you know, pretty good overlap with the narrative ones you know, that they'll just pick do play a pickup game. Maybe, you know, maybe it's narrative, maybe it's not. And then there was a small contingent of the competitive ones that want to do it. Now, I think there would be a lot more competitive ones, but Warcry came out at literally the worst time it could have. Right, which is like <laughs> right before yeah. the pandemic. And so it just has suffered from not really having a lot of events where it could be played at. Something that I'm hoping to see corrected in the next year or two.
2: And it does seem, you know, the language they've been using around this Toma champion, Champions, some of the stuff that's in it, like the tournament organizer. I mean, it seems like they want to, um, you know, empower organizers who are interested in having a tournament for this game. Uh, they want to make it easier, which I think is yeah. great. Um, and then, you know, the points updates, we can dive more into that later. But the fact that it's even in here shows that they're at least interested in balancing this game. Um, and then you know, for competitive play, at least in a lot of other games, it works like this, where folks generally don't play competitively, even in somewhat competitive games, like say 40k, but casual players are interested in knowing what the competitive options are, because that's how you keep your casual games balanced, is by knowing what's what's good and what's not. Um, so I think kind of greasing the wheels of, of one sort of third of that tricycle uh, helps the other two as well, I think, in a big way.
1: That's a good point, you know, because it's funny. Um, when I was putting together our uh, little narrative session that we had during our GuildCon, which was our local gaming convention, right? It was just an eight-player narrative event that we had. Um I put together several lists that we were playing and I mean, they were all like pretty basic lists. I was not min maxing at all because I knew what the min maxes were, but I wanted everybody to have a good time. Cause this was a narrative like event. It wasn't intended to be competitive. And we had like three out of the eight people had never touched war cry before, you know? So I wasn't going to be like, Oh, Hey here, like let's, um, Let's, you know, give you some OP warbands and, and, uh, you know, or or maybe Jason here, play with your lead belchers and destroy everybody. Oh, wait, didn't that happen, Jason? Uh, yes, it did. Yes, it did.
0: (laughs) Called out. You're talking (laughs) about it. Yes, it did. You're just jealous because I didn't play casually against you. Actually, that's not true.
1: You know what? You know what, Jason? You're absolutely right. Because you were playing Soul Blight Gravelord. Yep. See? Yeah, you're playing Soul blight. And uh and If if
0: you haven't figured out yet, Justin has a little bit of bitterness against my left belchers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe cuz I play against them all the time. Hey,
0: you That's won so against specific. them last time.
1: I did with Cruel Boys. Yes, you did. With Cruel Boys. That was an interesting game. And uh uh but uh no, yeah, so we still I, had some I actually good I think games, I though. had the OP I think I had the OP army cuz I brought Skaven. With, like, two rat ogres.
0: Yeah, I still beat you with your soul blight, though.
1: Yes, yes, you did. Like, those <laughs> – dude, I could not get to his leader. It was, like, kill a leader scenario, and it was just, like, oh, yeah. skeleton, in a skeleton, skeleton, skeleton. Like, I could not get to him. So, Good stuff. Good times.
0: Yeah. I think it's the thing, though, is that we've always – you know, I and to your point, right, that they, they are interested in balancing, it appears, from the new this new book, that they're focusing on points, too. But I feel like every time i played, you know, Warcry, the games never feel like just a total, like, blowout. It always feels like you've got a chance to do something to gain some points, to get on the scoreboard. Um, even if you don't really even, you know, really know how to f- effectively use your use your warband. Because, you know, with the objective-based uh, play, y- you can always kind of focus on, on the objective necessarily than, than just killing and beating up the guy next to you
2: yeah and i think a lot of even the competitive like the really competitive melee armies in Warcry, cry if you are getting destroyed by one of them you still kill a lot of their fighters because a lot of the time they're flooding the board with lots of cheap fighters and so you're just like stabbing crushing all of their guys and not realizing you're losing until kind of late <laughs> in the game when you, realize, <laughs> when you realize that actually like you just never had a chance of winning on objectives um but but that's still, like, a, a fun, engaging game. You know exactly. what I mean? Um,
0: and, and it's not like I you wasted two hours of your life learning that you weren't going to win. It's, you know, 30, right. 30 to 45 minutes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the points updates, um, like, they nerfed a lot of shooting stuff. And at first, I had a tough time coming to terms with it because I was, like, you know, the, the most powerful five or six warbands in the game you know only there's only a couple shooters in those warbands but the thing is the shooting ones are the only stuff where like you hear people complain about caradron overlords or seraphon skinks um as far as like that's the one time when it can feel kind of weird like ko when you're playing as Ko and you lose, it feels like there's nothing you could have done about it. And when you play against Ko and you lose, it feels like there's nothing you could have done about it. Right. And so they uh, they kind of um, they weakened those or like the shooting portions of those warbands while kind of strengthening some of the other pieces and. I think that's an interesting sort of statement they're making about, you know, what they want the games to be like. They want more of those kind of fighty engaging close, close combat things. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it was a really interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
1: mean, like they don't have any melee units like whatsoever. Right? They've got so... that Arco
2: with the spear who is actually legitimately incredible. Uh, oh, but that's true. Yeah, yeah. But other than their spearmen, I think that's it. Um, Although a few of their a few of their shooters are still pretty solid, even even with yeah. their points
0: hits. Now yeah. have they? You know, I haven't looked. I have not deeply looked into changes yet. Uh, obviously, I don't have the book in my hand yet. Uh, but uh, you know, is it do you, is it just a balance on points, or are there any fact attributes changes or ability changes? So the only ability changes were additions of
2: underworld's warbands right Mm -hmm. so a lot of people like you know and and uh ko is no different but a lot of them got sort of a new interesting ability with their underworld's warband but otherwise it was just points updates um so they kind of they helped out some move three fighters they helped out some sort of some of the high toughness fighters that were in a rough spot um and then they kind of taxed speed, shooting, and like really chunky fighters with lots of wounds. Mm-hmm. They taxed a bunch of yeah. those a little yeah. bit, and really interesting because I've been playing games on Red Harvest. Have you guys been playing Red Harvest?
1: Not yet. I gotta finish this stupid terrain.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm mocking <me> right now <laughs> on my table. So one of the things I think a lot of people saw right away with Red Harvest was like flying is going to be big, right? Because there's so much terrain. Yeah. Um I didn't realize how much it would help shooting, because if you stand on some terrain, you can see everything. So it's oh, actually yeah. harder to hide than you would think. Um, like you would think more yeah, terrain no means cover. more places to hide, but it's also it's like a lot of it is. Oh, right. So a lot of it's cover, but not line of sight blocking, so they can still shoot at you. But it means you can't really get to the shooters to close with them as easily because you have to go the long way around. Um, So that might also be why they nerfed some shooting is because I do think like KO got way better in Red Harvest. They were one of the big winners because they've got flying Uh, and shooting. So I think that might have been part of why they nerfed it. I I. I have a little conspiracy theory a little tinfoil hat that they want all the future Warcry box sets for the terrain to feel a little bit like the red harvest terrain
1: yeah of just like crowded
2: all over the place you know almost like necromunda terrain is a little bit like that too um and and so i think these points updates you know hitting flying a little bit or just fast things in general and hitting shooters maybe reflects what they want this kind of new new landscape of the game to look like.
1: So, um, just sticking with the points changes here, uh, you some of the major takeaways that you said, right, they taxed flying, they taxed um, shooting a little bit, they gave a buff to movement three guys, they taxed some of the, or they gave a little bit of a buff to the toughness, you know, the high toughness people who um, were just basically meat shields um they taxed some of the bigger fighters like uh i'm assuming like a rat ogre type of thing right yeah uh... rat
2: ogre went up 10 or like the doom bull went up a little bit
1: yeah so they they did that um but uh so those those are some of the major takeaways what war bands in your opinion were like some of the winners and like what ones were the losers
2: um were there any clear
1: winners or losers here or was it kind of across the board
2: Yeah, so the losers, I mean, uh, like we said, KO, I mean, KO had been such a winner of Red Harvest, but Uh was a loser of the points updates, absolutely. And then, you know, Seraphon with uh, Mm. Bolt Spitter Skinks going up, um, or also Vanguard, like if you were sick of birds flying everywhere, I don't know if you've ever faced down that all bird list, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the birds took a real hit, from forty-five points to sixty-five points, and that's
1: a, uh, that's a big increase.
2: Yeah, that's huge. And between us, like, I think a lot of people are saying a sigh of relief. I think, uh, yeah, if you've ever gone against the all-bird list, it's uh, it's pretty embarrassing to just be getting worked by just a flock of birds. Yeah. Um, so those were some of the losers. I think winners. Probably the spider team is the biggest winner, in my opinion, because okay. they dodged. They're not in here. Um, maybe there will be an FAQ, but the Red Harvest warbands aren't in the book. Uh, I think because they said that this book was supposed to come out in 2021, right? And that would have been before Red Harvest, and so I wonder if if that just wasn't supposed to happen. So, you know, maybe we get an FAQ, but if not, I think the spiders from uh the tarantulas team you know those spiders are just incredible they've got eight attacks uh just just little blenders um so them still being at 35 points i think is a huge win for them and
0: yeah. then
2: i think ogres because the uh the thunderfist the lead belcher leader didn't go up and neither did Noblars.
1: Mm. wow those Noblars at uh let's see they're at like 45 points right Oh, my yeah. gosh. Like, they're so annoying. So annoying. Because, like, Jason was doing his campaign. So, of course, like, his dominion grew, right? And so he was, like, getting extra points to add to his warband. He's like, I could throw another knob or two in here. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good times with those little guys. Those little, you know, maybe maybe I have no idea where your nobblers are going, Jason. Yeah.
0: May- there we go. That's the problem. <laughs> Next time I'm over at your place, I'm going to be searching your uh, stacks for my nobblers.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Dan, you mentioned earlier uh, kind of the Bladeborn being added here. Um, and I know you, you were kind of just mentioning it a little bit in passing, but I think it deserves a little bit more attention because this was, to me, like one of the biggest announcements with this
2: book. Huge, right? And yeah. So, like, so far... You know, they released pictures of the Bladeborn parts of the book, and I've been, like, squinting at them trying to figure out exactly what's going on. (laughs) Um, Some of the abilities are just, like, they're, you know, somewhere it's just too fuzzy. I can't quite make it out. But no matter what, it's going to be a big deal, I think. Um, There's just so many of these uh, fighters, and the fact that they all have at least one brand-new ability that comes with, uh, with the crew... Yeah. I think is going to be really, really a big deal. Um, and, you know, some of them bring in new fighter types that that, that, that uh, group hadn't, you know, that faction hadn't seen before, which is like cool. Like
1: not think Crab. Nobody's seen that guy before.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, crab Cry is, is on its way. Uh, like yeah. Sylvaneth have two archers now, which they never had before. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of kind of new new stuff there.
1: There's, um, and I saw, what is it, with hrothgar's trappers or whatever it was with the ogres right he's got the um he's got like the trap is a unit yeah
2: and i think there's abilities around it um yeah i can't wait to be able to have my hands on the physical copy and actually be able to read it clearly so i can actually tell people (laughs) you know what it does but um yeah it promises a lot for sure
1: i'm really excited because i ended up picking up several like i've got the zarbags gets right as part of like the gloomspite gets thing um to kind of round that out as proxies i picked up the um sepulchral guard with the you know the skeletons um as part of like a legion of um nagash uh army uh, so I could like have some cool skeletons on there. So now I'm like, oh cool I've got these and they're you know ready to go and and this will be awesome to kind of add in there So I'm excited because you know the rules as it states is that if you bring the leader Then then you can also bring the other fighters, right? Um, you can't just bring the fighters over uh, you have to have the leader to you know import the other fighters if you want But I think it just gives so so many options um, which is good on one, hand, I, on one hand, it's great. Uh, on the other hand, it's really good because uh, we were talking about the t- tournament organizer before. And one of the things that I think, have, correct me if I'm wrong, that it states in the book is that it recommends not allowing allies at tournaments and in match play. Is that? Did I read that right? Did I hear I that right? I
2: think so, yes. Um, and the Adepticon tournaments aren't going to allow allies either.
1: Yeah, and I think that I think that um, you know, it's avoiding the contorted epitome problem, right? Which is like the contorted epitome is so good that you would be dumb not to take it, right? It's almost an auto include, right? And, and, and so, order has
2: the high sentinel. It's kind of the yeah. best kept secret in order, but for ninety five points, you can get a uh, a little. Lumineth model that can point at any opposing model on the board and say, anytime you attack it, you just blend it to pieces Um, and it's only 95 points. Right. So you'd be like you said, kind of silly not to take it.
1: Right. So I can understand. And it's, it would be really hard to balance the game if you were really like, you know, taking into account all like you could have, you can have war bands that are balanced that might have that blender, you know, high sentinel unit in there because everything else is not that great, you know? Um, but to be able to balance those models with every other order model or other order war band is really hard to do and really hard to play test because there's so many different possibilities. So I can understand why tournaments are like, yeah, no allies. Um, but I'm, I'll be curious to see if that includes not allying in the bladeborn as well. You know, um, for that faction. So, for example, um, you know the uh, the Zargbad Zargbags gets like being able to ally those guys into a normal Spike gets list. Um, so
2: my read on it is, yeah. if you make it your leader, it's not an ally, right? Okay. So and then you can have anything, anything there. But my read on it is that they're technically heroes if they're in your faction, and okay. heroes are okay. And um, are okay, so, I'm, yeah. so I'm pretty sure you can, as long as it's the one from your faction. Right, right. Um, but they talk about how like in match play, you can technically make a warband from any two that share a grand alliance, because you make one the leader, and the other one your ally, and now you can bring any model from both of them.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, whereas I think they won't let those specific types of things be in tournaments.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, so what that'll do though, is like, for example, a a bone splitters list isn't crazy competitive. You know what I mean? But maybe those underworlds models will bring in some new abilities and maybe have some different stats that all of a sudden, like they might be a little competitive because you can bring those in.
2: So the other thing, some people compete on this access. Some people don't and it's, it's uh, up to every individual, but so the underworlds, models generally are some of the best sort of painting showcase models that have ever come out at GW. I mean, it's incredible some of the stuff that they do with those. Um, They're all just like much more bespoke poses, much more sort of dynamic. Um, And if you're the kind of person who wants to try to win best painted at events, I think Underworld's models are just a huge way to kind of give yourself a leg up for winning Best Painted because, you yeah. know, you're just going to have a more exciting, a more dynamic looking warband than uh, than you would otherwise if you're including them, which I think is pretty cool.
1: I can't wait to see the painting competitions for these warbands because I think people are more willing to spend more time on eight models than 800 models, you know? So um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. So uh, the Toma Champions 2022 comes out on shelves on Saturday. Again, like if you haven't pre-ordered it, I'm sure that you could go down to your friendly local gaming store and uh, pick it up there. I highly recommend it. It's got, you know, again, all the points changes, but it's got a lot of new new good stuff. I saw some of the campaigns, like the siege battles that you can do. They look amazing. It uh, looks like a ton of fun. So um, I'm really excited to to really dive into this one. I again, I think it's by far the best Toma champions that they've come out with. And, uh, I think it's going to be great. So, uh, let's move on to our main segment then, uh, talking about getting started. So as we, as I mentioned early on, uh, I think with the new announcement, with the new boxes coming out with the new Toma champions, it's really, uh, given a, a an uptick in interest, in Warcry. And I'm seeing, like, on the daily, it seems like three or four people in that Facebook group is like, hey, thanks for letting me in. And, you know, uh, uh, I'm new to Warcry. Where should I start? Where should I start? Where should I start? I feel like we get that question all the time. And so I would love us to kind of dive in and talk about, like, how to actually get started in uh, Warcry. So, uh, Jason, why don't you kick us off with, like, the original, the OG Warcry stuff?
0: You mean like the original box and all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, can you even buy the original box still? It
1: is hard to find, but it's out there.
0: You have to do a a pilgrimage. You have to,
2: you know, scrap on your boots and wade (laughs) through the snow
0: uphill. No matter where you're going, it'll be uphill. And in the snow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I remember, um, you know, that I think the original one came what did it come with? It came with Untamed Beasts, Iron yep. Golems, right? Yep. It was just those two, right? That came in and a bunch of it. monsters. Didn't it have like all the Raptor Oh, eggs It had all the chaotic beasts. untamed or chaotic beasts, yeah. Right. Chaotic Beasts. Which the by raptor, the way are yeah. which by the way are really fun to play with. Um and I think what did we do the other the other night we did a uh, we were we had one guy had to leave early and so we did a three player game where two people played and the other person just played the chaotic beasts yeah and it oh, was a awesome. blast it was so <laughs> <a lot> much <of laughs> fun
1: so much fun yeah but anyway so chaotic beast was just like i'm wreaking havoc everywhere right i don't you care know? who you are <laughs>
0: right but uh yeah so then um you know it's it was and then the terrain right and the terrain i think was really cool uh, it was it introduced the concept that you know your terrain could change every time you played based on which card you drew, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know it, that terrain is reusable across the board. Uh, it's it, it, like we talked about before, right? It's only it's not like the um, it's not like the Red Harvest where you've got multi layers. So it was really just three inches or on the ground, yeah. except for the bell tower. There yep. was one piece that had the bell tower. Um, but I don't I don't know if I've ever played too many games where anyone's ever climbed to the top of the bell tower.
1: There really hasn't ever been a need to get up there. I guess if
0: somebody wanted to put, uh, yeah, because the objectives are typically, you know, they're just it doesn't matter where they are vertically. It's really just kind of a horizontal.
1: Yeah. Now I think with Red Harvest and and Dan, you probably played more with this. Like, there's more opportunities to put objectives up on top of those platforms.
2: There is. is that true and it's it's funny if your if your battle card doesn't put the objectives on the platforms a lot of the time the platforms just herd you into a little center place where there isn't terrain because you know climbing them takes up so much time but then a lot of other ones get you out spread out across the board like that and it's cool um i don't know if you guys did this with the base game but I just had so much fun, like, creating my own terrain layouts with the little bridges that go from platform to platform.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I, you know, it's funny because the cards are there, and the cards are a lot of fun. But after a while, you're just kind of like, eh, I'm just going to move this around here. Because you kind of get a feel of, like, where generally objectives are going to be, and, you know, like, what well, a good layout might be, and stuff like that.
0: That was the beauty behind Warcry is, you know, I... Uh, Games Workshop when it first came out the, in even in all their intro videos they were very much like uh, you know guys it's not an exact science like if you need to put a guy on the board and there's not room for him then just nudge him over a little bit yeah and it's kind of how warcry you know is with the terrain too it's like put the terrain down and then when it's time to play objectives based on the card you drew if you you and your opponent look at the terrain it's like well that doesn't really make sense all right I'll just nudge the terrain over a little bit yeah. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's about, you know, playing a game, having fun, and just creating kind of an immersive little board in front of you. And uh, so, yeah, it did a ton of that, like, oh, let's, let's put some ladders here. Let's put a little uh, cross bridge here, you know, just make it fun.
1: I think that the original Warcry box was probably the best deal that Warcry has ever had. Because um, not only did you get the two uh, warbands and the chaotic beasts and all the terrain, right? Like you got the, you got the book, core book, you got a ruler, you got dice, you got all the tokens, right? You got all that stuff that came with it. It was a hefty box. And I want to say we got it for $150.
0: Yes, in fact, if you go to eBay now, you can see they're running about three hundred and fifty. Ooh oh, wow! Yeah, three. Ooh. Well, there's a couple. There's a couple that are you know on the like one fifty, but if it's like one hundred uh, fifty dollars, but fifty dollars for shipping, so you're like mm. okay, all right. But
1: yeah, every now and then I'll see on the Facebook group somebody's like, "Hey, I was just in my uh, FLGS and look what I found," and it's like the OG Warcry box. So yeah. everybody's super jealous. You know. Yeah. So yeah. that's silly. the
2: pilgrimage I'm telling you. You gotta drive cross country, yeah. stopping at every game <laughs> store along the way until you find one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um you can't you obviously it's really hard to find the original box now, but you can still you can, buy all the parts of it for the You can part. buy all the parts of it. Right. And so like to assemble it separately, it's obviously gonna cost you a little bit more money. You can get the Iron Golems band separate, you can get the Untamed Beast separate um you can buy the card packs that you need separate if you want to um i highly recommend getting the mission card pack and the twist card pack um i don't think you necessarily need the terrain card pack because um, you can kind of make that stuff up on your own but you definitely need the, the mission and the twist right yeah, yeah and the deployments you need the deployment one too
0: yeah, so I don't think you have to feel like, man, I'm never going to be able to achieve that again. And, and then even you know, e- even with all of the options for terrain now, there's no need to feel like you've got to go get that original terrain unless you're just kind of the collectionist like Justin is.
1: Yeah, you know what's cool about that terrain though is like I used it several times for Age of Sigmar games. Like it's great terrain just in general. I think any
0: of the terrain from the Warcry. Well, there, from most of the Warcry boxes, I think any of the terrain is dual use for sure.
1: Well, and to be fair, and I think we'll talk about this, and well, we'll talk about. Let's talk about this right now. Um, There are Warcry terrain boxes out there, right? That have the um, Soul Drain Forest. It's got the um, the Mausoleum. It's like the Sigmarite Ruins. um, It's like the Shattered Domain stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what it's called, Shadow Domain? Anyway, um, and the interesting thing about these is these boxes, these terrain boxes, are really just repackaged Age of Sigmar terrain, and it's repackaged because it has uh, a board, a warcry board. It's got the tokens, and um, then it, it, you know, it's got a little bit more. So, for example, the uh, Soul Drain Forest is six. Um, six of the Citadel Woods trees, and um, then a bunch of scattered terrain like uh, um, columns and, you know, crash down boulders and things like that that you can scatter around. So, um, but those trees, if you were Sylvaneth, like those trees could be your trees that you would play with in your Age of Sigmar game. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because uh, I'll I'll be honest with you, if you try to get you know your work. Some people buy their stuff off Amazon, some people buy it off Games Workshop, go to your local store, whatever you want. I'll be honest with you, if you go to Games Workshop's website, it's a little goofy to try to find all the Warcry stuff you want on their main store. I feel like it's not as intuitive to like, well, like how do you even find the terrain on their store page? Um I think so they I usually
2: just it too. I think they just moved it from boxed games to now it's like a subsection of Age of Sigmar. Um, Yeah, they kind of experiment with where they want to put it. They haven't decided Mm.
0: long-term, it seems like. Yeah, but I mean, so I usually just go to Amazon and type Warcry Terrain if I want to try to find something. But... uh... But I, I think there was only, and I can't remember the name of it, there was one Warcry terrain box set that came out that I was not a fan of the terrain. I felt like it was a little bit of a cop-out. I felt like it was just, you know, a board. It was like a board with lava, and oh, it, that's was catacombs. Oh, it was just doors. Oh, catacombs, I felt like it yeah. was just doors and, like, flat terrain pieces.
1: So I don't have the uh, Catacombs box set. Do you, uh, do you Dan? So Obviously, Jason What I doesn't. did with
0: Catacombs
2: <laughs> is I bought the Catacombs board, uh, and then that was it. I didn't buy any of the terrain because it had half of the starter sets terrain. It didn't have right. the bell tower. It didn't have the um yeah, that awesome like head yeah. thing, but it but it had just enough of the kind of ruins in it that you can play a base game on the back of it if you want. Yeah. Um the only the only thing I will say positive for the catacombs terrain set is uh it's great for D&D. Like, you can make a and d dungeon out of it oh, really yeah. well um, yeah. with those doors and stuff. So, you know, if you're someone who plays a few different tabletop games, you know, you can get Double Duty out of it. You can't really put it into AOS um, because, right. you know, what are doors going to be doing on the middle of a battlefield? But uh, as far as, you know, other types of dungeon crawly games... I, yeah, you can definitely use all that stuff in those games, and it can be. Yeah, cool.
0: and I, th- I think that's. I kind of wonder if they were shooting for that because this was wasn't this their second terrain box? Yeah, it, it was their yeah, second it starter was. box. Second starter box. Yeah, it could, because I mean the entire board it's like one inch grid, right? Like all it's like one inch grid tiles. They got all these things that you could utilize, like you said, in kind Good of a point. dungeon crawl. So I kind of wonder if they were exploring the, you know, is are we going to be able to. Dual purpose? Are people interested in this?
2: And they released other boards too for alternate uh, dungeons for catacombs. So I wonder about that too. Um, you know, it's funny being in the U.S. I feel like most people who are into that kind of thing they play D and D. They don't play the hams. But um, like I think in in the U.K. I think people play essentially D and D, but with their Warhammer. Armies and stuff. Uh I think people do that uh, much more commonly than they do here. And yeah, it'd be fun to be a fly on the wall of uh, the Games Workshop execs, sort of deciding whether or not that experiment worked.
1: So I couldn't tell with catacombs, um, and and you you get the question all the time, right? Like, should I get catacombs? And I feel like it's like the redheaded stepchild, a little bit of Warcry, in that it's just it's kind of a different game. You know, like, it's still Warcry, like, the, like you know, there's there's still, like, the mechanics of Warcry are still there, but because you've got the doors and the walls and things like that and, like, the dungeon crawl type of feel, I, I couldn't tell if the narrative of Age of Sigmar, which was, like, the idea that the Shadow um, Stalker elves, right, like, went down yep. and um, were trying to, like, scout out and figure out where the Varonite was for Marathi... Right, like that was like kind of the lore that was happening at the time in the um, in the Shattered Realms uh, book series, and so I couldn't tell if the lore was driving the game or if they had the idea for the game and they're like, ooh, this is how we can fit it into the lore, you know, like because it ended up chicken or egg.
2: Yeah, it ended up shaking the whole AOS kind of, the whole foundations of the setting um yeah basically based on stuff that happened in that board in that game
1: on that board which is yeah crazy. specifically that
2: board. that board yeah yeah <laughs> Um which is yeah. fascinating uh so i do wonder maybe they did kind of make the board for the game uh what i the one thing that is kind of cool about it is um so i've lost games because i had a mounted unit that couldn't get to where it needed to go because it was blocked off from terrain oh, everywhere. Right. Mm. And that if you love your cavalry, I don't know, maybe narratively the idea of them charging down right. these tiny dungeon <laughs> hallways is, is kind of silly, but man is cavalry good in catacombs because you know, they're pointed at knowing that the mount rune mark is a bit of a drawback, right? Ah. So their stats other than the Mount Rue a lot of the time are pretty good. Um, and so, yeah, cavalry and catacombs is, is really, really good.
1: That's funny. Um, I heard that like night hunt is like, that's like the one place where they thrive. Cause they can fly through walls.
2: Yeah, I bet. I bet they got, uh, they were also a big winner of the points updates. They got some mm-hmm. really, really heavy ones. Like mirror and banshees are pretty good now. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right, because the catacombs sort of fits with a lot of the things they're good at, and they can yeah. float across the lava really easily, um, which helps them.
1: So uh, the catacombs, right, like we, we talked about how the, the narrative of Age of Sigmar literally took place down there, right? The, the Shadowstalkers like, went down in there. They're scouting out this uh, Varonite source for Marathi and she was able to like go in and and get it well the second half of that story where she was actually able to obtain it from the uh production underneath a spire, played out in red harvest so i think that that's kind of interesting too right so you're um the red harvest right like the terrain that you have is a bunch of like platforms you got a whole bunch of like uh uh, uh, mill, uh, not mill. I don't know what you would call it, but uh, conveyor belts and and things like that, you know, that are are uh, pumping out this varin varin juice, right? <laughs> like the yeah. the varin gold that like can transform you. And Marathi ended up like injecting herself with that and becoming a god. And so, um, like it's so crazy that you're reading these books and you're like, wait a minute, I I have that terrain. I have that board, like I've played that in Warcry, it's like it's not playing out in Age of Sigmar. All of this narrative stuff that happened in the Broken Realm stuff is like playing out in Warcry. I think it's kind of rad.
0: It's cool yeah. how they tie it together for sure.
2: And if you spend some time with the, I call it the Bucket Tower, uh, it was yeah. the bane of my existence for an entire afternoon. But when you spend some time <laughs> with it, not, once you're it painting, not easy to put it together. Not easy to put together. <laughs> um, but when you spend some time with it, it's really cool. Like you, you can almost like feel it kind of moving as the buckets kind of go down, collect the Varin juice and then bring it back up and pour yeah. it into the bobsled tracks. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. They definitely, they definitely go out of their way to kind of, you know, help you, with the narrative kind of move along um, in a way that you know the other games don't really get as much
1: so um we we need to go back to catacombs though really quickly I and I, I jumped ahead uh to red harvest uh in the catacombs box if you were to pick that up you get the um man I keep blinking on their name they're the shadow stalker what what's their, what's their full name yeah
2: the k night shadow stalkers and yeah, then the, the uh Scions of the Flame, which I think are incredible as far as their look goes, you know, and yeah. they let you, they let you paint them in so many different cool ways, like in terms of how you want to paint fire. Um, they're like flaming
1: yeah. samurais, like yeah, I think awesome. that's a great
2: descriptor. Yeah, you know, like they um, look
1: like samurai, like samurai warriors that are just like burning. Mm-hmm. They look awesome. yeah,
2: and I've had this concept in my head. I don't have them, but I want to paint them. Uh, paint them copper and then the way copper burns green so then i would paint oh, the fire cool. green Ooh, cool. and then it would be this kind of green and coppers you know that kind of red i would i would do it like new copper uh, yeah. so that it was more contrasting because it's got that kind of reddish gold to it um so yeah just a lot you can do with those and if you love painting robes the shadow stalkers have the fanciest robes in all of, in all the land. So those are pretty cool too.
1: <laughs> how um, are they, how are the shadow stalkers in terms of warband? band?
2: Um, so that's another one I don't have. So I can't tell yeah. you from personal experience, you have to be fancy with them though, um, okay. because they, they've all, they can all shoot, which, you know, can be good, um, but man, are they fragile, right? So you have to, you have to really know what you're doing as far as, Um, putting yourself just outside of your opponent's threat range to get what you need to get done you know completed um but yeah who knows i think one of their models just got a pretty big points drop and i'm blanking on which one it was but uh scion's got some points drops too actually so both of the models and in catacombs, Uh, if you love painting them up and you want to paint up a second one to then kind of specialize and optimize, um, they're both a lot better than they used to be, uh, just as of the last week, you know, so I haven't sort of put together what that list would look like, you know, there's probably other people who, who play them who would know better than me at this point, but yeah, there's kind of, from a Johnny list building point of view, there's a lot that happened there.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, Signs of the Flame—they're pretty decent. Um, kind of one of those uh, bespoke a- uh, Warcry Chaos bands, right? They're like they're probably near the top in terms of the the you know solely Warcry cam- um, War bands.
2: Yeah, once you buy a double box of them, they're pretty good because um, they've got the two things you want. Where like they've got cheap cheap models that actually do things (laughs) and uh and then they're sort of they have a few sort of high damage hammers um and i think the big one has range two too so that gives you kind of extra extra maneuverability um yeah so they're solid once you get the uh, double box of them they've got a couple real stinker fighters in there i think the uh, inferno priest and the fireborn are, are a little rough, but once you get the double box, um, they're really good. Yeah, they're one of yeah. the better ones.
1: So, um, and again, like this comes with the board. We talked about the catacombs board, right? The terrain with it as well. Um, it came with core books with the special rules for catacombs, dice, ruler, etc. cetera. Uh, I think that the catacombs box is still, you're still able to find it in yeah. places. Yeah, you
0: can get it for about 180 bucks yeah. on eBay. Yeah. Or such.
1: Um, okay, so That's less forward... than it
0: retailed for, right? I know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Uh, all right, so jumping forward to, again to Red Harvest. So we talked about the terrain, right? We got lots of platforms, lots of height, which is uh, different with this one. Uh, the two warbands that came with this one are the Dark Oath Savages and uh, the uh, Tarantulos uh, Brood and um so i know that you said that the spiders the tarantulas brood are a pretty good warband and mostly in part because of the spiders right
2: yeah i mean they're they're the strongest warband in the game uh just because of the spiders and because birds took a big nerf um but you know they're still pretty cool even if you don't like min maxing they've got a ton of stuff they can do like resurrecting spiders stuff like that uh the the coolest though, the Dark Oath Savagers. Um, if you ever picked up the Sphinx, um, what's it called, the Mind Stealer Sphyrans yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. from
2: that first. So the Savagers have this thing; it's so cool. You can um, you can throw two dice away to give yourself like a pretty. I think it's like an eighty-eight percent chance at getting two dice next turn. So oh, you can invest in getting a ton of wild dice and if you bring in an ally who is really dice hungry right a lot of the one of the problems bringing in the mind stealer's is it has so many different uh, abilities it wants to be doing that it can kind of hog dice from your other friends um but the darko savagers have like you know, it's raining dice over there with them, uh, oh, so nice. you can just use all sorts of abilities. So uh, if you like the Spheranks, if you uh, love your contorted epitome, if you have any kind of really dice-hungry ally, um, you know, the Myrmidon too, but any kind of dice-hungry ally, the savagers are like the perfect home for it, uh, which I kind of like.
1: That's really interesting because I was looking over their abilities and I'm like, ah, man, these guys seem kind of mediocre in terms of just like their abilities, and I didn't put it together of some of these um, bigger uh, monstrous allies that they could be taking, right, like the Sphärenx or the uh, Myrmidon or whatever. Um, I also think that the Dark Oath Savages could really benefit from having the Dark Oath Chieftain from the Slave to Darkness there with them.
2: Oh, uh, such a missed you know. opportunity. I wish that was there too, yeah.
1: I'm like, how is he not in here with them? Like, at least in the rule set, right? Like, um, but it, having him in there as an ally, I think helps them because he's got he's got a wallop on his ability. Like, you know, he adds the damage of his uh, quad to all attacks and uh, critical hits as well. Um, hits and critical hits, right? And and he does. He's not he's not a light swinger either. So um, he 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 can be a hammer for you if you need it. Yeah, he's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, so a lot
2: to play with with those ones. Yeah. Um, and then, let's see, what else do you get with that box? So that one's another one where the board is double-sided, so you can either yep. play with a ton of lava, or you can decide to have a little bit more open plan, um, kind of depending on what you want to do.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, when I got a bunch of the different terrain pieces, right, Soul Drain Forest, the Corpse Rack Mausoleum, the um, base game and stuff like that, there's the side that you normally play with, but if you flip it over, there's the brown side that looks like the Shattered Domain um, a plastic set that they used to have in the games workshop, right, that yep. was like the big squares. So it looks like that, and I've noticed that every terrain has that. So now I can take those four boards that I have, flip them over to the brown side, and I can now play an Age of Sigmar game on those boards because four of them make up an Age of Sigmar uh, board size.
2: Oh, that's cool. I didn't put yeah. that together, but you sure can do that, can't you? Yep. So oh, it's, nice.
1: Um, and, in fact, they, they have been going that way they want to make sure that those uh, Age of Sigmar boards were like a warcry is literally a quarter of the Age of Sigmar battlefield. So, um, but now that you, you, if you look at all of them, like one side, like the Cortech Mausoleum, for example, is snowy on one side, and then you flip it over and it's that brown, like um, shattered domain. And the base game had it, the Soul Drain Forest had it, and. Um even the new uh Red Harvest has it as well. So now I've got four boards that I can play Age of Sigmar on.
2: Which is kind of pretty nice. cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's really good. Alright, so uh we talked about the starting boxes for Warcry, right? Um getting into this, if you have an Age of Sigmar army, getting into this is actually pretty easy. Um, I don't think it's as easy as it was before because all you needed before was like the core rule book and then you just went out and had to get a pack of cards for your fighters, right? So like if I had um, Daughters of Cain and I had a Daughters of Cain army, I just need to go find the cards for $10 and boom, I was good to go. Uh, Well, that all kind of changed when the Grand Alliance books came out, right?
2: Yeah, although uh, in some ways it got easier because, you know... One book gets you a whole bunch of different cards. That's true. Um, so in that way, it's kind of nice. Uh, also, the cards got kind of hard to find if you didn't if you didn't jump oh, on man. them right away. Super Although hard. Although these to find. these new Warcry boxes, if you want to start there, that's a great way, and they come with the cards, which is cool. Yep. Um, so, yeah, if you have an AOS army, like you said, it can be pretty easy of just getting the book the two books the core book and the grand alliance book and if you're looking on ebay for core books just remember the original one and the red harvest one both of those are totally valid um the red harvest one even has the errata from the core book one uh sort of folded into it which is nice so whatever you end up finding you can you can do it and then um the board i mean like you said for a lot of the terrain packs come with a board, which is cool. Uh, yeah. If you're wanting to make your own, it's 22 inches by 30 inches, which is a pretty manageable. Like a lot of boxes will come with something like that. Um,
1: yeah.
2: Or like will be about that size that you can cut out if you wanted to sort of go real cheap with it. Um, so you can. Yeah, you can build something pretty pretty quick that way. I think
0: I think one time we played uh, Justin, you literally just printed out like four or five sheets of paper. <laughs> I did a little forest terrain or something and we just taped them together.
1: Yep, because um, I I didn't have all my terrain at that point, right? So I didn't have all the boards and we were having like four concurrent games and so I'm like, well, I'll just print these out and tape them together and put them down on the board and they worked out great.
0: Yeah. Does what you need, I mean, especially eight when you get to by 11.
2: Terrain. 22 just being two 11s right next to each other that's perfect yeah yep. exactly makes exactly. it exactly
1: so yeah we taped it on there and then you throw the 3d terrain on top of it and it's like you, you don't, don't even, even notice. notice it yeah you know don't even notice yeah. so and and that's the other thing right is like people ask all the time do i need to get this terrain? do i need to get this terrain?" the answer is no like you really don't need the war cry terrain do i like this war cry terrain absolutely uh, that's why I kept buying it. Uh, do you, do you need it though? No, like a lot of people have like their, uh, you know, their foam kind of houses that they've made for Warcry. cry. They've got little Hills that they've made, you know, they've got, um, structures, maybe they've got like a realm gate from, you know, or other terrain stuff that, that, uh, they got in age of Sigmar use it, man. Use all of that stuff. Like, that's great. I wouldn't recommend putting out maybe the, um, Chaos Fortress—it's like eleven inches tall because I don't think anybody but the flyers are getting up on top of that thing. Um, but uh, you know, like you—you've got little hills, you got little houses, you got little like villages. Like those are great area, like things to throw down for uh, a Warcry uh, scenario. So yeah, there's a I think
2: whole There's a whole industry on Etsy of creating D and D terrain. Like if you if you just look for it. There um, and all of it works great for Warcry. I mean, almost everything from D and D ports into Warcry really well. So, yeah, just tons of stuff that you can kind of do yourself or mix and match yourself um, to really personalize it. You can, yeah, you can go the starter set route, and that's the way I went. But um, yeah. you can, with a little bit of elbow grease, you can do it a hundred different ways and kind of customize to your own sort of style.
1: So, I've got a Night Hunt army, right? And I've started collecting Night Hunt since 2017. And I've got all sorts of units. I got Chain Rafts, I got, um, Heroes, I've got wraps, I've got Dreadblade Harrows. I've got Miramore Banshees. I've got, you know, the Knight of Shrouds on Ethereal Steed. I've got, you know, basically the whole range. I've got the whole range. And um, when uh, Warcry first came out, I made sure I got the Night Hunt cards, right? Because I wanted to play with them as well. And I was disappointed to see that it was like... You could have the Reapers, the, um, the, the, yeah, it was like the Reapers, the, um, Guardian of Souls and the Chain rasps and like a couple other ones and, you know, you know, like Spirit Hosts and you're like, well, this is kind of lame. Like it's not even half the range, you know, like that I have. And so when the Grand Alliance books came out, I loved that they brought in leaders. I, I love that they brought in so many more fighters. And so... Um, if you have an Age of Sigmar army, you really need to get the Grand Alliance book because it's got all of the options for your entire army there and, uh, really give you a lot of, a lot of choices in, in terms of like what to play. So, um, if that's where you're starting, if you say like, I've already got, you know, a Lumineth army, I've already got a Daughters of Cain or Cities of Sigmar, go out and get your, uh, Grand Alliance book find a core rule book, and you're pretty much halfway there, you know, ready to play. So, um, And depending so on the
2: pretty... army, you might have a few different warbands too. Like oh, yeah, Stormcast definitely. has four different Warcry factions in it. So if you're a Stormcast player, you might actually just kind of look up and see you've got three different Warcry warbands. Same with any of the Chaos Gods. They've got two different factions within each yeah. of them. So um yeah, you might find that. Right,
1: there's always the the chaos demons. So there's like Nurgle. Um, well, actually, let's uh, let's talk about corn. Right, there's the corn um, demons, and then there's the corn mortals. The um, what are they called? The blood uh, like reavers and stuff like that. So uh,
2: yeah.
1: you've got those two factions on either side.
2: Though so... one of the things that I want to kind of transition into is, what if you don't have an AOS army because. The cool thing in my mind about Warcry is that yes. you can start it having never played AOS before. So yeah. let's go around like uh, like Jason. If you were to if you were to sort of come up on someone new and you wanted to sell them on like what's a brand new force that you would suggest starting for Warcry, like what would be your your tops? I'm just like spurring this question on you, spur of the moment. No <laughs> no prep allowed.
0: <laughs> no, that that's okay, because uh, I would probably take the same approach that I took when I played uh, Age of Sidmar, which was, you know, look at the one that is most appealing to you to look at, because that's what you're going to be bringing in. That's what you're going to find excitement in when you're painting uh, and all that. So, honestly, you know, I brought... Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to not answer your question and then I'll answer your question. So when we started <laughs> playing Warcry, I bought the starter kit, right? I didn't really care so much for the iron golems or even the uh, untamed beasts. What I wanted to do was I wanted to play my Flesh Eater Quartz still. So I I just oh, yep. grabbed I grabbed my Flesh Eater court, but the reason I played Flesh Eater Quartz is because I thought they just looked really cool. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the main reason I played them and I ended up having a lot yep. of fun with them. So when I, when I looked at, hey, what's going to be my next Warcry uh, thing, I looked at the Corvus Cabal for a long time just because I thought the guys looked super cool.
1: They do look cool. Uh-huh. They just
0: look cool, you know? And, I say, yeah. and that's what I tell all the friends we play with. I say, dude, just pick one that looks cool. Because no matter no matter how you put it together, we're, you know, if we're doing narrative play, we're just going to have fun. You're going to have fun, and you're going to be playing something that you thought was cool and that you enjoyed painting with. And one of our buddies, I think, actually did go out. Uh, Casey, didn't he get? He got yep. Corvus Cabal, didn't he? Yes, yeah. he did. Just because he thought it was cool. Well, after we told him we couldn't get Silvernef because you were gonna, because <laughs> you weren't gonna be able to find it. But <laughs> right. Yeah, but but I think that um, that's always my that's always my recommendation. Get something that you think looks fun. Don't worry yeah. about min maxing. Once you get into the game and you decide you want to be competitive, then you can then you can spend your hard earned cash um, after you've done a little bit of research.
1: So I, you know, this is an interesting question, Dan. I like it a lot. Um, I would, I would ask myself, okay, do I just want to focus on Warcry, or do I also want to play Age of Sigmar? Like, do I want to kind of dual purpose this, right? Because I think that that would be a major fork in the road in terms of my decision. That see, I'm I think making.
0: that's a, I think that complicates the question though, because then I got, because then I'm gonna get into. Well, I got to make sure I spend my money more effectively and I don't buy a box that's going to give me models that aren't competitive in AOS right now.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends, right? Like, um, let's say I was like, oh, okay, I want I want to get into AOS. I want to get into AOS. Because, like, the the advice that you gave, Jason, it's similar to AOS. It's kind of like, dude, just choose a faction that you think looks cool right now. They may not be the top dog, but wait another year and, like, by the time you get your collection up to snuff, a new book will be out for you. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, like, you hear experienced AOS players say the same thing to newbies, right? Well, what looks cool to you? What would you like well, to play, you yeah. know?
0: Yeah, well, and there's definitely, you know, there are people out there that chase the meta. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you learn very quickly that if you're going to chase the meta, you're going to be forking out thousands of dollars. <laughs> yes, you Regularly. Are. Yeah. To yeah. do so um and and that's one thing we talked about the accessibility of Warcry cry it's you don't got to fork out 500 bucks you can fork it anywhere from 50 to 80 bucks yeah uh you yeah. know so before you feel like you're just dumping tons and for some people to be honest 80 bucks in a game is still a lot of money right but uh before you feel like you really because that was kind of my fear with aos was i was like well i want to play the game i want to be semi-competitive but I don't want to have to pay eight hundred dollars to be competitive, and right. uh, that, that was the problem. Yeah. I went when I went Blades of Corn, or when I went Corn. I wanted to go Corn so bad because they look so cool to me because I love like demonic stuff and you know like worshiping you know yeah. chaos. And but and I bought the book. I got a bunch of armies. I was getting ready to go, and these people were like, "Well, the only way you're going to actually win is if you have three bloodthirsters." And I'm like, "Gosh, that's like..."
2: You know, yeah. $1 million. 700 dollars yeah. and just you know like three
0: models or something, and so yeah. yeah. But yeah. don't do, so, don't but, do that initially. That's what I was suggest.
1: But I, I think if I were starting out, I I would ask myself that question. Do I want to go? Do I want to stick hardcore Warcry? Because if if I were going hardcore Warcry, just based on the models, I would look at the unmade. Cause they're so freaking weird. Yeah. You know. And yeah. I, they're like faces they, they, on there. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, they look crazy cool. And I don't know how good they are. I've got a I've got a band of I've got twenty unmade here that need to be painted on my desk. Um, but uh, I don't know how good they are, but they look really rad, and I think they would be a lot of fun to play with. Um, but if I were to go like um. A Sigmar route. Um, I'd probably. I'd probably look at just, like, one of the start collecting boxes, right? Like, so I think a great start collecting box to get into Warcry is the Corn Mortals box. Mm -hmm. Because you get, like, uh, Korgorath, you get, like, you know, um, all the things. And and it's got, like, so much variety in that box that you've got a lot of different options in your army. So, And it's a good start collecting box for Age of Sigmar, too, you know, to get started, so... That's that's kind of like, that would be my approach, right? Like, do I want to go hardcore Warcry? If so, what's the Warcry warband that visually appear, like appeals to me, right? I think the Spire Tyrants also looked kind of cool. And um, I also have a bunch of splintered Fang here There's, that I need to paint up. There, and so.
0: today is a good day for this because when Warcry first came out, it was like you had two warbands that came in the starter set and yeah. then or you were using aos stuff whereas yep. now you can there's like what are there like 17 war bands now just independent boxes or what is it somewhere around there Oh, right?
1: dude! i mean if you're talking like a war war bands like all war bands in the in the books like it's like 40 something but right? the, but i mean
0: like but i mean individual boxes if oh. you don't if you don't want to go buy aos stuff uh, there what are is individual what
1: do you think, is it like is there like 12 chaos bands is that right
0: something
2: like that uh yeah i think it's just short of that i think it's like eight or nine there's a bunch of them yeah. yeah and then they've all got um you can buy them in two ways you can either buy the single box with the cards or if you want to be able to mix and match more you've got the double box which is yeah. technically labeled as like aos slaves, slaves to slaves darkness, to darkness.
1: darkness yep. Yep. box
2: but yeah. really it's just a War Cry box and it's only 15 bucks more than the regular box is. So I think it's a great way to go. It's a Um,
1: super good deal because like the, like the, the, for example, if I were to get the unmade, right? Like, I think it's like, what is it? $40, $50 for the box of 20.
0: Yeah. I think those earlier armies are about 50
1: bucks. And then if you pay, but if you get the double slaves darkness box, yeah, you don't get the cards, but if you have the book anyway, right, you don't need the cards. And so, um, you got twenty for like sixty-five or something like that. It was—it's a really good deal.
0: Yeah, so I think that's kind of the point is that it's there are—it's easy now for someone to point a friend at a lot of you know low-cost options to be able to pick something that looks cool to you because yeah. you've got a lot of options now.
2: Well, and the other thing I want to sort of put out there, I've used it a few times as finding out if I like painting a faction.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good Um, idea. Because
2: if you, you know, I've seen people, they get into AOS by just buying six boxes of a faction. Oh, yeah. Or, like, (laughs) you know, just dropping like 300, 350 on a faction for like their first 1,200 points right away. And I don't know about you guys, but I know. I know right away if I like the look of something, if I think it's cool. But yeah. for me, it's not enough to just think something's cool. I also have to enjoy painting it. In fact, some of my favorite factions at this point, like corn demons, I actually don't think they look cool, but I love painting them. Right, so um, I've used Warcry a couple times. Like Spike Gits, I just think look amazing but building them and painting them was just not fun. I, I hated building them. I liked painting them a little bit more, but building them was just yeah. the worst. Goblins just don't go together well. They're so tiny. Yeah. Um, my like fat fingers just could not... I just wasn't dexterous enough to... To collect this faction, right? Um, so I just like sweat blood over my painting desk uh, for about two months. But then at the end of it, I knew I didn't want Gloomspite Gits as an AOS force, and I had a Warcry Warband um, of a color scheme that I still really like. And so yeah. you know, every time I look at them, I kind of like chuckle to myself about the experience that was sort of building that, uh, building that Warband. Um, And so I think that would be my advice for people um, is if you don't want to get one of the starter sets, let's say your buddy is the place where you're going to be playing or you're going to play at the LGS, um, so you just need a warband to start. um, Yeah, just get something experimental. Just get something that, you know, you you feel happy just kind of going off the deep end with. Maybe you have like a weird paint scheme in your head and you can just find out if you like it. I think this is a great game for just kind of experimenting like that.
1: You know, and here's the thing is like Gloomspite gets. I think is a perfect example of this. I really want to paint up a Gloomspite get, gets Warband. I have zero interest in painting 120 little stabas. Like zero interest. You know what I mean? But I will be happy to paint up five of them. <laughs> you know, that sounds great to me. And, uh, you know, so even if I, even if you're not like interested in painting the whole army, like painting a war band is great. And you could get that itch out of being like, I really wanted to paint some gloom spike gets, you know, without having to like invest in the entire army or feel like it's a waste. Right. Cause some people will just get the models and be like, okay, I did this and It wasn't really for a competition or anything like that. I just did it because I thought the model was cool. Now it's just going to sit on my shelf. Well, now these guys got utility as well, you know?
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Good
1: stuff. All right. Well, um, I think that we've given folks a a great place to start. Um, If you are curious about getting started... um, hopefully this answered a lot of questions for you, you know, try to find a starter box. If you like that split it with a friend that should save you some money, but if not go out and find some of these boxes, like the boxes are everywhere, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, if you've already got an age of Sigmar army, get the, get yourself a core book, get yourself the, uh, grand Alliance book that goes along with it and then find a friend and play. I mean, it's really that simple and, uh, it's a lot of fun. So gentlemen thank you for joining uh joining us tonight uh, all together on on our kickoff of uh, winning war cry
2: yeah this was a blast and hey if you're out there listening um take a look at the tabletop and beyond facebook page and send a little message to us about you know what war cry co- like topics you'd like to hear covered uh we're going to be doing this every month and yep. you know i think the game is going to develop enough that we're going to have content doing it just once a month, but we can absolutely do a segment on something if, uh, if multiple people want to hear it. So yeah, oh, let I'd us love know.
1: That. Yeah. We're on Facebook. You can also find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram and uh, we'll be putting stuff up on our YouTube channel as well. So uh, you know, in terms of uh, the podcast episodes go up on our YouTube, episode, uh, YouTube channel, and hopefully Uh, we'll start getting some Warcry
0: battle reports up there as well. Yeah, we're going to get some battle reports. That's one of our uh, goals. Yep.
1: So we're excited about that. So thanks for joining us on this journey. We're excited to do this. Uh, And Dan, thank you again for being a co-host. We're excited for the collaboration with you, my friend. Yeah, me too. It's going to be great. So, All right, everybody. Thank you very much, and uh, have a great night.
2: Have a good one. See ya.